Good morning. Hallelujah. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, this morning, I just want to say welcome to you. I just want to take a moment just to say, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, we appreciate you being here. Thank you for being with us today. We know you could have chose to be many places today, and it's an honor for you to come and worship with us this morning. I hope you grabbed a cup of coffee on your way in, maybe a bagel. Now listen, if you didn't grab some on your way in because you didn't see it, this is not an invitation for you to go and do it now. Unless, of course, you're going to need the cup of coffee to stay awake for the rest of the message. But I, I hope that not to be the case, because I believe that God, that God has a word for you today. Amen. So if you're visiting with us today, or just in case you don't know who I am, my name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. It is my privilege and my honor to welcome you here this morning. And I hope from the moment you walk through the door, as always, that you felt welcome. Amen. Amen. This is a place where you can come and freely worship the Lord and receive from Him. Amen? Amen well, this morning, I'm excited to be starting a new series called The Prodigal, Three Responses, or Three Views. We're going to look at the three different characters involved in, in this story. Now, I say I'm excited to be bringing this series to you, and I am not because of what the story tells a story of, because the fact is, when we, we look at the story of the prodigal, it doesn't start out exactly as a happy ending type of story. You know, and, and the fact is, many sitting in here today may have prodigals in their lives. And I'm not excited that we're bringing the story just to bring the story for the story's sake. I'm excited because I believe God is going to do an incredible ministry to you today. Amen. This story is one of the most told and most loved stories in all of the Bible. In fact, it's a story that most everyone here has heard. It's a story of a father's love. It's a story of redemption that we can all relate to. In fact, it's a story of a father's love that is so welcoming in a world today that is anything but. It's no wonder we love this story. It's a story that I've taught from before, and I'm sure it's one that most everyone here is familiar with. In this series, however, we're going to um, take a little different approach to the story. Most of the time when we talk about this story, we look at it from an evangelical perspective. And there's good reason for that. We tell the redemptive story of a person that is far from God. And listen, that can't help. We can't help but that be part of the story because that's what it's about. And I have no doubt that if that's you today, if you are a person that you would... Um, if you are honest with yourself, would say that I'm far from God, I believe that God is going to minister to you through this message and through this series. But this series, we're going to take a slightly different look at the story. Today in week one, we're going to hopefully give you a greater perspective of the prodigal and their journey. Many times we have a prodigal in our life 
we begin to live a life of regret. We begin to blame ourselves for the decisions that we've made. Today, I hope this message will help you understand that you don't need to live in a life of what if. For the purpose of today's message, I'm speaking specifically in regards to prodigals as they grew up in a loving Christian home and was trained up upon precept upon precept in the Christian values. You need to understand this, that that's the perspective I'm looking at today because some of the things that I'm going to say may sound a little harsh. But I can promise you this. What I'm going to say to you today is from the Word of God, it is truth, and it is for the best. You know, this game of what if is a game that we're all guilty of playing from time to time. Where would I be today if I had only done this? Where would I be today? How much more could God use me today if I had only not turned my back on Him? This is a game that is almost always played when we have a prodigal in our life. What if I had only said this? What if I have only said that? What if I didn't make certain bad choices in my own life? Listen, if that's you today, if you have a prodigal in your life, whether it's a child, a grandchild, or perhaps a close family member or friend, this message is for you. How many of us here today would say that we would want our children, our family, and our friends never ever to have to go through the things that we've done or that we've, we've gone through in our lives because of mistakes or choices we've made? All of us? I mean, we would all say that, right? None of us want our children to experience pain. There's not a parent with any kind of love in them that would wish our same bad choices on our children. Not one of us would want our kids to do the same stupid things that we've all been guilty of doing. We wish for them a life of success, free from hurt and pain. And as we get into today's message, I want you to understand there is a difference between someone that is in the world who wasn't raised to know Jesus, who wasn't trained up in the way that they should go, and someone that is. Today I'm specifically speaking about prodigals. As we get in today's message, you need to understand that. You need to understand that there is a difference there. So if you have your Bibles, what I'd like for you to do is go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. It's there in your notes as well if you don't have your Bible with you. It's going to be um, up on the screen as well. It's Luke 15, verse 11, and we're going to read through verse number 20. We're going to focus on the first part of this story today. We're going to focus on the son and his journey to restoration. Chris, if you'll help me out with that. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger 
one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the, his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hand hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What an incredible story of God's love and redemption. As we look at this story, we are reminded that even though we can do the right thing, sometimes we still don't get the results that we hope for. In this story, we have a father who we are led to believe was a God-fearing, loving man. Yet he had a son who rebelled and went in the opposite direction in which he raised him. When we look at this father, we can see from the story he was a good businessman. He had done well for himself and, and done so well, in fact, he did exactly as Proverbs has, teaches us, and he left an inheritance for his children. So we, we can assume from this story that this was a godly man. He raised two sons, loving them both, providing for them, raising them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But yet we still have this son who rebels and leaves home. Now, the, the elder brother, as we'll see in week three, he's got his own issues as well, but we'll look at that then. This father had done the very best to raise these kids, yet in spite of his best efforts, the son still chose to go the wrong way. We have every indication to believe that these two boys were raised with the same love, the same affection, Yet the younger one couldn't wait to get away from home. He acts in total disrespect, and really he acts in, in almost hatred towards his father. You see, he goes to his father and he says, Dad, while he's still alive, and says, I want my inheritance. Basically, he's saying to his dad at this time, I wish you were dead. My life would be so much better off if you would just go ahead and die. What you have, I want, and I don't want you to spend it before I die. When I read this story, I'm reminded of that J.G. Wentworth commercial. You all have heard it. You know where I'm going. He said, they say, it's my money, and I want it now. This is the attitude that the son goes to the father with. And for some reason, the father does exactly what the son wants. Even though this son is completely dishonoring his father, the dad still 
gives him the inheritance. Some of you maybe have had to make similar choices, similar decisions. And when you see your children beginning to not make just poor choices, but perhaps ungodly decisions, you begin to try and blame yourself. And this morning, I want to give you eight things from from this word, eight things from the scripture that we just read that hopefully will help you as you walk through this difficult journey with the prodigal in your life. If you're taking notes, it's there in your notes. The first one is this. Every person must make their own choices. Look, I understand last week I kind of got to the end of the message, and I began going a little faster. I was running out of time. People are like, I didn't even hear half of those things that you said. Look, I'm trying to make it real easy for you. It's underlined, real clear. Where it says choices, put that there for you. All right. I'll try not to go so quick you don't get those wrote down. Listen, every person must make their own choice. Please hear me on this. Their wrong decision is not your doing. Again, every person must make their own choice. Their wrong choice, their wrong decision is not your doing. It's a choice that only they can make. We talked about this during our Got Questions um, study, if you remember. We talked about free will and how each and every one of us have to make a choice. As parents, what we do is we guide and we direct and we try to steer their choices, but it ultimately comes down to the fact we cannot make the choice for them. Every one of us have to make our own choices. Listen to me, church. God, the perfect Father, put Adam and Eve in paradise. He gave them specific instructions, and yet they made the wrong choice. Listen, stop beating yourself up. Stop blaming you if you've got a prodigal in your life. You cannot make a person make the right choice. That's why it's called a choice. They've got to make the decision for themselves. A prodigal's journey started with a thought that they didn't take captive. A thought that they allowed to grow until it became a desire. Which brings me to number two. A prodigal's journey begins with hidden desires. By the time a prodigal makes that wrong choice to leave behind what they know is right, what they know is the right choice, you need to understand they've gotten very good by this point at deceiving. They are deceiving you, but listen to me, they have also gotten good at deceiving themselves. Sometimes without knowing, we can actually, like the, the father in this story, be helping our son or daughter to become a prodigal. But listen to me, this isn't your fault. It happens not because of your doings, but because of their deception. The father in the story wouldn't have ever given this son his inheritance had he known what he would do with it. 
But the fact is, he wasn't aware of the hidden desire that was in the son's heart. He didn't know the son would take the money and squander it with wild living. If you've done anything that aided that prodigal in your life, stop beating yourself up. That's why Jesus is telling this story. You've got to understand there were hidden desires that you knew nothing about. The third thing you need to understand is this. The prodigal's journey takes him to a distant country. It's there in the scripture. If you've got a prodigal in your life, or perhaps maybe you even have been that prodigal, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. In this story, we're told that the son goes to a distant country, a far-off land. But what you need to understand, this is true of every prodigal. This distant country is simply a metaphor to what happens in the life of a prodigal. They may go to a distant physical place, but it's much more than that. A prodigal goes to a place that they've never been before. That's what we're talking about in this story when, when he says this prodigal went off to a far-off land. A prodigal goes because of his hidden desires to a place that is unknown to them. When you see the prodigal in a distant country, you will see them doing things that they've never done. You will hear them saying things that they've never said. It's foreign land to them. You need to understand, when they are there, they have turned their backs on the things that you have taught them. You may have done everything exactly perfect. You've raised them, you've given them love and respect, Yet today, their actions are anything but loving and respectful back. It's because they're in a foreign place. They're in a distant country. Their actions and their attitudes are completely different. It's as if they're speaking another language. Church, I'm not talking about a, teen a teenager that is going through a slightly rebellious time who's just maybe seeming to try to find their way in life. I'm talking about a prodigal. One that has walked away from what they know to be right. They've turned their back on that, and they've decided to make a choice to live a life completely opposite of how you train them up and raise them to go. Church, it begins with a choice that gives way to a hidden desire that takes them to this distant country. The fourth thing in a prodigal's journey is this. The prodigal's journey leaves a life of squandered living behind. It happens every time. In this parable, we have this story of a young man who came into a large sum of money. This sum of money allowed him to give in to those hidden desires he already had. It wasn't the money that the father gave him that led him astray. Hear me on this. You've got to hear this. It wasn't the money that led him astray. It was giving in to his own fleshly desires. He begins to foolishly spend. He begins buying friends. This is the guy who has all the people around him. 
He's the guy that if he goes into the club, everybody wants to sit at his table. This is the guy who walks in and, and he has a VIP table reserved for him. Why? Because he's the one buying for everybody. The drinks are on him. Listen, he hasn't taken the money and used it wisely. He didn't take this money and invest it. He didn't take this money and use it for some incredible business idea that he had. He took this money and he used it on pure sinful pleasure. He's feeding his flesh with everything from sex to alcohol, giving in to every desire. This part of the story is where we get the name of the story, Prodigal Son. You're not going to see it there in the text, but if you're like me, you may have thought prodigal meant one who um, goes away and then comes back again, because that's kind of what I thought it meant for the longest. But prodigal, the word actually means spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. And guess what? That's exactly the lifestyle that he was living, squandering everything, leaving in his wake nothing but a trail of waste all along the way. He's wasted the money that his father gave him, but more important than that, he's wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a life that he had that was once promising. Understand this, if you have a prodigal in your life, there will be waste. You need to understand that. If you have a prodigal in your life, there will be waste. No matter how hard you try to come up behind them and clean it up, you're never going to be able to make it go away because until they come to a place of repentance, there is going to be a continual leaving of waste behind. Here we have in this story a young and up-and-comer. He had the right pedigree. His father was wealthy. He had all the right opportunities. But he took those and he squandered them away. And then, as the money began to disappear, because... It didn't take long for him to realize there was no endless supply. We're told that he spent it all, and after that, a famine hit the land. Which brings me to number five. The prodigal's journey leads to a place of need or want. As a parent or as a loved one, this is one of the hardest things to see in the life of a prodigal. You see them in a place of hurting and need. By the time a prodigal comes to this place, you've already seen a trail of waste left behind. By the time the prodigal comes to this place, you've experienced the pain of their actions. Understand this, though. As hard as it may be to hear, this is a place that they must come through. They've got to come through this place of need and want if they're ever going to come to a place of restoration with you and with God. No matter how painful it is to witness, you need to understand, if they are a prodigal, this is part of the restoration process. 
It's part of the journey to restoration that cannot be avoided. Remember, you raised them up right. You put the Word of God in them. You prayed over them. You prayed with them. You did devotions with them. You did everything you could. But they made the decision. And they turned their back on the way that you raised them and went their own way. It's not time for you to second guess how you raised them. If this story were to play itself out today, the dad would see a downward spiral happening right before his eyes with the with the social media and things that we have at our disposal today it wouldn't be something taking place at a far off land he would he would be witness to it he would have seen the pictures on facebook of all the parties and all of the things that he's doing and all the wild livings he would see those pictures begin to change over time he would see those first pictures with the with the sun with the eyes that would have hope and energy, and life. And then he would see those pictures begin to change. And the eyes become more and more empty. He would begin to see those fun status updates change, become less fun, and become totally absent. Perhaps he would hear from a friend of someone who maybe traveled to this far off land. He gets a report of his son. He sees his son. He says, I saw your son. He was standing out in front of the mission. I called to him. I called him by name. He just had a blank stare. I know he saw me, but I don't even think he recognized who I was. These are the kinds of reports that the dad begins receiving. So what does the dad do? Daily, daily, from the day he left, he's in prayer. God, bring my son home. He prays. He cries out. Let him know how much I love him. Let him remember the safe place that he left behind. And every day the father goes outside looking, longing, waiting, hoping for the return of the son. But hear me on this. The dad couldn't go to him. The dad could not go get him. We'll get more into that next week, but understand this. He couldn't go and bring him back from the place that he went. You need to simply understand this is a part of the journey of the prodigal and if you want him to return home fully restored, then you need to understand this is part of the process that the prodigal must go through. They must go through this place of want and need because it is here in this place when they get to this place that they're going to make another choice. Number six is this, the prodigal's journey leads to a decision process. Be great if it was over there, but it's not. When they get to this point in the journey, you need to understand this. When in need, the first decision that they make is often not the right one. It's oftentimes the wrong decision. Parents, 
and loved ones who have prodigals in their life. You've got to hear me on this. This, too, is part of the journey. This, too, is part that they must go through. This is probably the hardest part. When you see your child there in a place of need, when they are feeling empty in that far-off, distant land, they oftentimes will make the wrong decision. But again, no matter how much you want to make the decision for them, you cannot make it for them. It has to be made for themselves or by themselves. They must make the choice. Again, next week, we're going to get into the Father's response and talk about this in a little more depth. But for now, you need to know this. This is part of the process towards restoration. Here in this story, we see the son far away from his home. He's there in an unfamiliar land. He has no money, and he makes an incredibly bad decision. Not like he hadn't already made a lot of bad decisions up to this point. But now he's run out of money, and he makes yet another bad decision. He takes a job as a hired hand at a pig farm. You need to understand just how bad this is. Have, I don't know how many of you ever worked on a farm, grew up on a farm, or even near a farm, but I can tell you from personally working on a farm that had pigs, this is nasty. I'm telling you, it is dirty, it's stinky. If you've ever cared for pigs, you know it's not a pleasant thing. To go into that pen where the pigs are and feed them, it's dirty, it's nasty, it stinks really bad. But listen, it's way worse than that for the guy in the story. This person in the story is a Jewish man. It was unlawful for a Jewish man to eat pork, but it was also unlawful for him to even touch a pig. A pig was an unclean animal. And here he was, working with the pigs, feeding the pigs. This guy had hit the bottom of the barrel. It could not get any worse for him. He spent everything he had, all those close personal friends that were hanging around him, all those that he met, they were all gone. Nobody there was there was with a helping hand, or nobody was there trying to help him out. All those people he was hanging around with, when that money started to go away, well, guess what? They saw the ship sinking, and they began to go away too. You've all seen this guy. Maybe you've even been him. The money started disappearing, yet he didn't let up. He continued in his downward spiral until he had sold every stinking thing he owned, spent every penny of the inheritance, and had absolutely nothing left. And now here he is, all alone in a foreign land, working for a pig farmer. And he's in such a desperate, dark place that even the slop that they're feeding the pigs begins to look appealing to him. So much so that the Bible says this. It says he longed for it. This right here 
if you're a parent of a prodigal, is the worst thing to see. But our story that Jesus is telling does not tell of a father who went and he took him out of the pig pen. You must understand this. This is part of the process. It's part of the journey that they must go through. You can't hand food over the fence. You can't hand money over the fence into the pig pen. The only thing you're going to do is you're going to prolong the process. You can't reach in and take them out. They've got to make the choice. If you try and rescue them from the place before they have made the choice to, to come out on their own, you are going to do nothing but bring the mess of the pig pen home with you. If you do that, you might as well prepare yourself. You might as well get ready. You might as well go out to Sam's right now and buy the biggest box of glad, heavy-duty trash bags you can get your hand on because they're going to bring waste with them. And it's not going to go away. They're going to be a waste producer until the time they come to the decision. You can't take them out of the pig pen. The story doesn't tell us that. Nowhere in there does it say that the father went and he brought him home. There he is, dirty, homeless, hungry, with nothing. He's wishing he could eat the slop of what they were feeding the pigs. And then what happens? It's there in verse 17. He's there in the pig pen. What's it say? It says, when he came to his senses. Where was he at when he came to his senses? He was still in the pig pen. A light bulb went off. All of a sudden, he woke up. Sometimes people have to get all the way to the bottom. Sometimes people have to get all the way down into the pig pen before they come to their senses, and that's exactly what happened here. He looks back over his life and realizes the love that his father had for him. His father had given him a gift that he squandered and all the others who had come along just for the ride were gone. The son had found himself to be the perfect picture of what we hear about when we hear about sin. We, we've heard it before, sin will take you farther than you want to go and it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Please hear me on this. He had to come to this realization on his own. The Father could not make this decision for him. He had to come to a place where he was willing and wanting to himself get out of the pig pen. He had to come to a place where he was saying, this is not the way I was raised. I know that the decisions I made were wrong. He had to come to a place where he was willing and wanting to do this. Make the right decision that leads to real repentance. He's sitting there and he's wondering, what have I done? What have I done? I'm so stupid. I've walked away from the only people who truly loved me. For what? For a moment of pleasure. He realizes not only how dumb he's been, but he realizes that he's sinned against his family and against God. He's like, even the servants, even the servants in my dad's household are better off than I am. 
So what's he do? He repents. It's not just a, hey, I'm sorry because I want, um, I want what you have. It's a real repent. It's a true turning. He realizes the error in his ways. He acknowledges his sin. And what he does next is this. He changes direction. And he heads towards home. Repentance results in the prodigal taking a step to come home. We see in this story a perfect picture of repentance. He heads home thinking, at least maybe, maybe, just maybe, Dad will give me a place to stay as a hired servant. But listen, church, he had to make a choice to make the right decision. He had to take a step towards home. Listen, if that prodigal that I'm talking about is you today, you've got to come to a place where you say, I'm done living in the pig pen, and I want to come home to the Father's house. If you're willing to do that, this is what you can expect. The Bible tells us, but while he was still a very long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed. Do you get this? Do you see what the dad was doing? He was waiting, looking, hoping for the son's return. It says while he was still a far way off, his father saw him. I can only imagine that every single day this father is wondering, will this be the day my son comes home? Will this be the day that he returns to me? Then finally, one day, maybe he's out working in the field, continuing to look off in the direction that the son left. And he sees someone coming down the road. It's the moment he's been waiting so long for. He sees this man walking. He doesn't look the same. His head's hanging a little low. You see, that's a sign of humility and repentance, which is part of the process. He didn't look the same, but his father knew it was him. His walk was a little slower. It wasn't like when he left. He wasn't all puffed up and treading off, knowing that he knew the right thing. No. His head's hanging down a little bit at this point. He's walking a little slower. His dad sees him from a distance. And he knew, even though his countenance had completely changed, he could tell this was his son. And the Bible says he ran to him. you got to picture this. Think about the clothing of the time. The men wore those dresses. And here we have this old man running down the road, arms open wide, yelling out, Son! 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 Welcome home! It's not just something you would see every day. This man yelling out, My boy is back! My son is home! The son, he's, he's walking up there. He doesn't know what to expect. He's dishonored his dad. He's dishonored his family. He squandered everything. His family had every right to completely disown him. I'm sure this son had much apprehension. 
Is my dad going to let me come home? Will he accept me? Will he kill me? The son with his head hanging down. Here's the sound of a familiar voice crying out to him, Son, 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 welcome, welcome home. He looks up, and there's his dad running down the road, arms open wide, outstretched towards him. Jesus gives us a perfect picture in this story of the Father's love, welcoming and embracing. In the original Greek, the words used means a continual kissing. He couldn't get enough of him. He wanted to just hug him and love on him. His dad kissed him. A perfect picture of God the Father. We mess up. We sin. We come to our senses. We repent. We turn. We step towards Him. And He is there open arms, running towards us to embrace us and welcome us home. I know here today, we probably have both. We have parents, family, and friends of prodigals. And there are probably some prodigals in this place as well. Here's what you need to hear. The father could have completely disowned him. The son could have absolutely been shunned by the dad. He didn't deserve to be welcomed home with open arms. But we're told that his dad got up and he called for him, them to bring a ring, to bring a robe, and to bring shoes. He was saying, this is my son and he belongs. Get him some shoes. We're not going to have him walking around barefoot like some slave. We won't have him unclothed. I'll give him a ring so it'll be a sign to the community that he belongs to this family. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a feast. We will have our son home with us. Deserved? No. Same is true for us. We don't deserve to be welcomed home by our Heavenly Father. And in this story, Jesus is giving us a perfect picture of God's grace. He's saying, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how far away you have gone. I see you. I've been waiting for you. I've been longing for this moment that you would take a step towards me. And here I am saying, welcome home. Let's pray.